0: Hello, and welcome to The Goldmine, where you can find new investment insights from your favorite financial writers every day. I'm Barry Ritholtz, and this is The Great Reset. Pandemic lockdowns are coming to an end in the U.S., and with them, a massive economic recovery has begun. The closest parallel? Perhaps the post-World War II era. That period created a massive societal reset in terms of employment, housing, infrastructure, wages, financial markets, just like today. Consider the circumstances of both periods. The nation is forced into difficult circumstances by a frightening enemy. Shortages are commonplace. The government and private sector focus on obtaining sufficient ammunition to vanquish this foe. Workers are furloughed, people are fearful, even as the economy starts to recover. It takes time, but soon victory is at hand. The reopening begins with a surge of inflation, spot shortages of commodities, a dearth of housing, difficulty finding workers, and a very challenging transition as factories and offices struggle to restart and to return to a more normal footing. Call it the Great Reset, whether it's stock prices, bond yields, The primacy of cities, inflation, wages, housing, office space, government, politics, technology, and today, cryptocurrencies, and even lifestyle. There is no area that is not undergoing significant changes. Reset. Let's use the post-war period as a useful analogy and see what assumptions we can make and what normal looks like in a post-pandemic economy. We can also try and see what the next decade may look like compared to the last one. Let's begin with technology. Big tech looks like the big winner of the pandemic. Reality is a little more nuanced. Most of the tech that became stars of the lockdown work from home era, they've been around for years, not just the companies, but the technology. A lot of this is decades old. The pandemic accelerated adoption rates for existing trends. Pulling the future forward. Is this a reset or just a catch-up? Hey, welcome, everybody, to 2024. The big getting bigger, that's a trend that predates the pandemic by literally decades. Robert Frank and Philip Cook's book, Winner Take All Society, was released in 1995. It's more than 25 years ago. They detail an already top-heavy economy. At the time, they looked at the world's top 50 companies. Together, these 50 firms had a combined value of 5% of the global gross domestic product. Today, the top 50 companies combined are 28% of global GDP. Can the big get even bigger? It's hard to fathom, but hey, that's been the recent trend. What about work from home? Does less commuting and more family time add up to a more productive and happier workforce? That's a debate between traditionalists, folks like Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon. He's in a debate with the latest generation of startups and recent college grads. They believe less in the primacy of a corporate culture and more on quantifiable work product. As researcher Simon Wardley observed, Traditionalists are strongly dependent on procedures, while the next generation, more biased towards remote work and the use of guiding principles. Office work will reflect what is most efficient and cost-productive. I suspect will be in offices for collaborative work, but elsewhere for work that can be done solo. Regardless, the nature of the office was already changing. The pandemic accelerated that. Next up, suburbia. The rediscover of bedroom communities outside of cities was the direct result of an intense desire for more space during lockdowns. Once cities closed everything down—museums, restaurants, theaters—all of the advantages of urban living disappeared, leaving behind only the higher costs. No wonder that those who could afford to made the move to the suburbs. That influx caused prices to spike higher, especially in the face of a very low number of homes. Rising home prices are partly due to the financial crisis more than a decade ago. Follow me. The lack of supply today is because new home construction plunged after the crisis. It's only recently begun to recover. We saw home builders shift to multifamily apartment units, not single-family homes, And it's only over the past few years that we started to tick back up. It may take a decade for the supply of new homes to catch up with current demand. And on top of that, affordability still remains an issue for young families. What about the office and commercial real estate? Well, by some estimates, we have about 20% excess office space in larger cities. That's an estimate by my buddy Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel. Those metro regions also have the most expensive apartments to buy or rent in the entire country. There is an obvious solution. Convert all of that excess office space to residential space. Attract young workers, revitalize neighborhoods in the process. I have a very vivid recollection of watching that transition take place post 9-11 around Wall Street and the World Trade Center. Those neighborhoods have become extremely residential and very desirable. Conversions were enormously successful the past two decades pre pandemic. I think that's a model for what can be done both in New York and in other cities. Let's look at rising wages. We all know we've had three decades of widening income inequality and very slow gains in the national minimum wage. Salaries at the low end of the scale have very much lagged. But now, and I've written about this repeatedly over the past few years, they're starting to rise. The shortage of workers have become endemic. Hey, Amazon, a perennial laggard in salaries, realized the strategic advantage of them paying a $15 minimum wage, and they raised the bar for everybody. Construction workers, hospitality employees, nurses, waiters, bartenders, they've all been in short supply. Employers are learning that if they need workers, they must increase their wages. There have been some complaints about the lack of childcare as part of the shortage of workers. Others see too generous unemployment insurance at fault. Regardless, low-end wages have lagged behind just about every metric you want to name. Wages are behind productivity, behind profits, executive comp, and of course, inflation, especially health care and education costs. What about inflation? With the post-war period as a guide, we should expect Commodity shortages, challenges in hiring, rising wages, and a spike in inflation. But we should also expect this to be temporary. The key word is transitory. As more production comes online and the marketplace pivots to satisfy increased demand. Rather than a persistent inflation, this might be a short, sharp reset upwards. It's worth noting that the inflation cranks have been fighting the 1970s stagflation for decades. I question their motives, they tend to be partisan, and I marvel at how wrong they've been about inflation in both directions. They missed rampant inflation in the 2000s and insisted on hyperinflation even in the 2010s. They were wrong both times. I see no reason to suspect their approach has changed for the better this time either. The caveat to all of this, past claims of significant change have failed to pan out including after the September 11th terrorist attacks and the 2008-09 financial crisis. Mean reversion often makes modest incremental changes more likely than a full-blown reset. The post-pandemic reopening may not be as significant as the post-war era in terms of change, but I think this will still be very significant. We're only learning today of how robust this economy is going to be, and how to adapt to these changes. For more from me, check out The Big Picture at Ritholtz.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is brought to you by Ritholtz Wealth Management. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities mentioned on this podcast. If you're new to investing, check out liftoffinvest.com to get started with us today.